This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. Price controls degrade quality. In economics, not many statements get such broad agreement. Even top advisors to President Obama agree that price controls are usually a bad way to improve quality and access. So why are price controls such a key component of Obamacare? Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. Larry Summers is one of President Obama's top economic advisors, and he probably spoke for the entire economics profession when he said, and I'll quote him, Price and exchange controls inevitably create harmful economic distortions. Both the distortions and the economic damage get worse with time. End quote. The reason that economists are so hostile to price controls is the government can ban certain prices. If the government thinks that prices are too high, it can force producers to lower them. But that doesn't change the economic reality underlying those prices. If it costs $20 to produce a widget and the government forces widget makers to sell them for only 10, well, you're not going to get very many widgets produced. And so there's going to be an artificial shortage. And that's one of the um, distortions and uh, forms of economic damage that Larry Summers spoke about. You'll see a lot of price controls when you look at the Democrats' health care legislation. In fact, the centerpiece of that legislation and one of the main selling points is a price control scheme that the government would impose on health insurance. Both the House and the Senate legislation would, as President Obama says, ban uh, or prohibit insurers from denying coverage for pre-existing conditions. What he means when he says that is that it, the legislation would force insurance companies to cover, uh, say, a, a patient that costs $50,000 to insure at a price of just $10,000. Now, think of the incentives that that creates. On the one hand, it seems very attractive because if you're a sick patient, then your premiums, you can't be turned down for coverage and your premiums have just fallen by $40,000 per year. But think of the incentives that that creates for the insurance companies. Instead of seeing a $50,000 patient as a potential opportunity, a potential source of profit, they're going to see that $50,000 patient as a $40,000 liability. So they're going to do everything they can to avoid that patient and get rid of him if he enrolls in their plan. Now, how might they do that? Well, one way is they can drop benefits that high-cost patients value. Alan Antoven is a health economist at Stanford University. He said a good way to avoid diabetics is to not have any endocrinologists in your network. There was a case here in the Washington, D.C. area last year where, an, where Aetna, which operates in the price-controlled Federal Employees Health Benefits Program, or which is much like the, the sort of price-controlled insurance exchange that President Obama wants to create, Aetna dropped a a coverage for private duty nurses. What this meant was that uh, a 13-year-old girl in Arlington, Virginia, named Shelby Rogers, who has spinal muscular atrophy and who can't roll over in bed because her muscles are too weak, she lost coverage for the private duty nurse who helps turn her over in bed at night to prevent bed sores and performs other important services for, for Shelby. An Aetna spokesman said the reason they dropped that benefit is because it attracted too many of those $50,000 patients. And really, they would go out of business unless they uh, avoided or drove sick people out of their plan. And research by another Obama advisor, Harvard's, Harvard economist David Cutler, has found that in the price-controlled health insurance exchanges at Harvard University, and um, other economists have found the same thing in the University of California system, uh, 
Health plans that are attractive to sick people eventually go out of business unless they compete to avoid the sick. So while it's very tempting to say we can just force down uh, the prices that insurance companies charge to sick people, that doesn't change the underlying economic reality that these people are very costly to treat. It just encourages insurers to uh, avoid or mistreat the sick. So perversely, instead of expanding coverage for the sick and increasing their access to care, you can actually deny them access to care. And over and above that, not just the loss to uh, of that type of coverage to people who are very sick, the types of coverage that would they would find very attractive, even if it is a marginal product to a healthy person, that coverage will not be available to them either. So I mean, it's a loss to them as well. That's right. It's not just uh, today's $50,000 patients that suffer, but today's $5,000 patients who will become tomorrow's $50,000 patients. They are, so it's, it's not just a small segment of the population that's already sick, it's everybody. As soon as you uh, come down, uh, contract a, a long-term expensive illness, the insurance companies are going to do their best to get rid of you. So this is a threat to uh, uh, healthcare for not just people who are sick today, but anyone who may develop diabetes or any long-term costly illness. And developing new products that might fit within the budgets of many of these $50,000 uh, patients, development of those kinds of products would basically end. That's right. It would be particularly unwise to impose this sort of price control right now when, as a Cato adjunct scholar John Cochran, who's a, an economist at the University of Chicago, uh, he argued in a recent Cato policy analysis that markets are right now, de- not only can markets develop products that will provide more secure coverage and better care for sick people, they are in the process of developing them right now. But if the uh, House and the Senate, or, and, but if President Obama and congressional Democrats impose a set of government price controls on all health insurance policies, that will stop that innovation dead in its tracks. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute and co-author of the book, Healthy Competition, available at Cato.org. <laughs>